Today's scripture reading comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. If you have a Bible, we would love for you to follow along with us. And if you don't have one, we have some available on the tables right outside those double doors. You can pick one up. We would love for you to have one. Colossians 3, 22 through 4, 1. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bond service justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. Well, good morning again, and welcome to the Olathe Campus of Christ Community Church. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. It's, it's good to be with you uh, together uh, this morning. And I'd love to start off by just getting you to think about, like, what was your, what was your first job, and what was your worst job? Sometimes they're the same thing, right? Uh, you know, for me, I, at 15 years old, I started off a seasonal help at a college cafeteria. Look how happy I am. See that? <laughs> Just love it. Actually, I thought I was rich. I got paid four twenty-five, and all I had to do was wash dishes. Right, four twenty-five an hour. Uh, from there, I, I spent two years uh, working at Subway. Eat fresh? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I still can't eat there. Uh, after that, I, I, eight years as a, as a bank teller um, through end of high school, college, uh, seminary. Yeah, handsome, right? You like that? It's pretty good. It's going to haunt your dreams later. I'm convinced of it. Uh, for about eight years, it's actually uh, grosser than Subway, right? Uh, working, working there. In fact, like, it's also a little bit demeaning because like, when when's the last time you've been to a bank, right? I mean, I've already been replaced by robots, right? Sort of, it's sort of demeaning to know that, isn't it? Uh, and now, now I've, I've been a pastor for the, last, for the last 14 years. I'd like to see a robot try this, all right? Give it a few years, right? And I've learned a few things, right, along, along the way. I'm sure as many of you have. But one of the lessons that to me is most pressing that I've learned in my work history is that sometimes work is just the worst, Right? Like, even, even if you love your job, like, sometimes it's just awful for what, whatever reason. Sometimes you just, you hate doing it. Some, even if you love it, sometimes it stinks. Sometimes you just have to go to work. Sometimes you just have, you just have to pay the bills. Sometimes you, you hate your boss or your coworkers or your empl- employees or, or clients or customers. You know, sometimes it gets in the way of what you really wish you were doing. Or you feel mistreated there. Or exhausted or overwhelmed or underappreciated. Like some of you here genuinely hate your job and with good reason. Reed, put your hand down, okay? <laughs> not, we're not going there. And the, hard, the hardest thing, I think, for many of us, right? Again, whether you like your job or hate it, is that nagging question, like, does it even matter, right? Pastors deal with that. I'm sure, I'm sure some of you have as well. Like, does it is the work I'm doing making any difference whatsoever? 
I mean, for crying out loud, it's where we spend the majority of our waking lives, day in and day out for decades. Does it matter for anything? Now, to be clear, when I, when I say work, I don't necessarily mean the things that you get paid to do. Oftentimes, we jump, we jump in that direction, but, but work is less about being paid. It's more about contributing to the world that God made, right? Uh, and, and so for students, kids, like the chores you do, but also the work you do at school, right? Um, that's, that's, that's your job right now. Uh, if you're a stay-at-home parent, you work harder than most of us, right? That counts. If you're, if you're retired, the, the time that you mentor others, or, or maybe you're, you're unemployed or in between jobs, but the work you're doing to prepare yourself to look, to look for the next thing, right? Uh, like all of that counts. And no matter what you do, paid, unpaid, whether you hate it or love it, <laughs> If you want to take Jesus seriously, you have to take your work seriously. There's no way around it. It's not a, it, it is essential to your discipleship. It's not an impediment or an interruption. Something you do on Monday with little connection to your life on Sunday. If you want to take Jesus seriously, you have to take your work seriously. And so we've been in this, this series together uh, for the last uh, almost two months here. It's, we called it a church, a church for Monday. That our, our mission as a church isn't, isn't what we do on Sunday mornings, right? I mean, Sundays matter. We had a whole message on why Sunday matters to prepare us for Monday. Yes, it matters. But our mission, like, it's about everything else outside these walls, right? And, and so church is only valuable if it's, if it's helping prepare you to follow Jesus in all of life. To be ready to serve him on Monday and every day. And so we've been going over these seven marks to, to help us, right? Uh, this is essentially our job description as a church. If you want to grow in your ability to follow Jesus, like these are the things that we think you should press into, that I need to press into more, right? So we said, takes up the cross, right? You gotta learn to trust Jesus in all things, right? You gotta put on the yoke. You gotta pursue Jesus through spiritual disciplines and getting closer to him, intimacy. Uh, it builds your life on the Bible, right? Beginning to see all of life through the lens of scripture. Uh, loves, loves the church, making it a priority. And then these last three about our engagement with the city, right? The, the world around us, our contribution. And so we've said, you get, we give themselves away, right? That's what a follower of Jesus does. Somebody ready for Monday is, is self-sacrificing. Uh, they sh- share the gospel in word and deed. That's what we talked about last week. And then finally, our last week together in this series is that we work diligently for the flourishing of all. Works diligently. If you haven't already, turn to Colossians chapter 3. But many of us, I think when we hear works diligently, you know, for the flourishing of all, what we quickly think about is, you know, feeding the, feeding the hungry, um, taking care of the poor, fighting for justice, and, and, and certainly that's included. Those things, those things are really, really important. But it also means the work that you do as a student or as a stay-at-home parent, the things that you do in the office or the construction site, that our work is a huge part of our Monday lives. And so if you want to take Jesus seriously, you've got to take your work seriously. Well, why? Why do we have to take it seriously? Well, I think Colossians shows us, there's three things here in particular. First, first we see in this passage that your work, my work, is seen. Your work is seen. Whether you feel invisible in your work, 
or you can't possibly see the difference that it makes, your work is seen. Look at verse 22. Paul says, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. You see, you see we, all, we all crave to be seen, don't we? And it could be innocent, like how my kids bring me every single thing they've ever made, right? They do that. They're, they're proud of it. They, they want to be seen. They long to be, to be noticed, recognized, appreciated. And, and in many ways, that's, that's normal. That's right. That's good. But it's when that becomes our dominant motivation, right, where it can actually just become absolutely toxic, right? Where everything is about being seen. Like, for example, if you're, you know, you spend the day doing housework, right? Uh, and you finish up, and you're, so you're sitting on the couch, relaxing, and then all of a sudden you hear the garage door open, right? You know that it's either your parents or your spouse or your roommate coming in, and, and nobody ever notices housework, right? Because it's just so constant. So you, so you get up, right? So that when they walk in, they see you doing the housework, right? Anybody? Right? I mean, that person's the worst, right? I wouldn't ever do that. Um, yeah, no, I... Yeah, but you get it, right? We do that, don't we? We want to be seen, we want our work to be recognized. We want credit, but so much of our work goes completely unnoticed by our families, by our friends, by our coworkers, by our supervisors. Nobody sees it. Nobody says thank you for it. But Paul says, deep breath, that's okay because God sees. God sees it. Yeah, but what, is, what does God care, right? I have more important things to do than what I spend my nine to five on, right? Well, think about this. Did you know that when God created us, before the world fell apart, right, before sin and brokenness entered this world, he invited us to work I mean, even just think about that for a second. Like, God made a perfect world, but essentially it wasn't quite finished. Because he said, here's, here's a garden, so cultivate it, keep it. I mean, he says to, to us, like, here are the raw materials, now go and figure out what to do next, right? Make something of it. Cultivate and keep this world. You see, the reality is you and I were always meant to work. But we were never meant to work in these conditions. We were created for work, designed by God to work. Prior to the fall, but now everything is, is broken and we feel the ramifications of that everywhere. Our, our work is broken. Whether you love your job or hate it, right? Every job has thorns now and many of us feel them every day my own selfishness, right? The brokenness of the people above us and around us. I mean, I have to work with Reed. <laughs> I mean, he's like an out-of-control spider monkey. We both get to the office around 5.30 in the morning. Can you imagine him at 5.30 in the morning? <laughs> we got to deal with people, right? And the, the broken systems around us that make it harder. I mean, who, who does Paul address here? Even just think about this for a second. Bond servants, essentially slaves. Now, now this, is, this is a 
different from the, the slavery of the American South. Okay, what, what my ancestors did was so much worse than this. And, and yet, like, it's not great, right? Bond servants had some rights in that culture, like more, more than what we, we did, but like, it's, it's like Paul knows this is broken. This, it, should not, it should not be this way. He's not, he's not condoning it, but he's helping them to see that even in their brokenness, right? God sees them. And if God sees them who were at the lowest of the low in their, their culture, then certainly he sees you. And take note, he also sees the powerful. Like Paul mentions that, right? The bosses. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. God sees you too. And the reality is, if you mistreat those under you or allow injustice or exploit your customers or your clients or your community or the planet, right, God sees you and Paul is saying, you you better fear the Lord if that describes you. And if if you're the mistreated, he will fight for you. Or probably like the majority of us or the bigger group of us, like if you just feel like what you do is hidden, unnoticed, underappreciated, or insignificant, God sees you and he delights in you. And so just think for a moment with me, what what would change tomorrow Whatever your tomorrow looks like, what would change for you if you entered it realizing that everything you do is seen by the God who made you and loves you? What would be different in your attitude, your performance? Martin Luther King Jr. once said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Because God sees. I mean, friends, this gives dignity to our work. It gives hope as well as accountability. And so if you want to take Jesus seriously, you've got to take your work seriously. Because he sees it. And your work will be rewarded. That's the second thing. Your work will be rewarded. And, and yes, for, for many of us, we do get paid for our work, but not all of us do. And for some of us, not nearly enough, right? And, and while we never want to minimize those frustrations that we feel and sometimes outright injustice against us in our work, right? We don't want to minimize that. Yet, yet Paul is making it clear that for all of us, if we're doing this for Christ, we have back pay coming, essentially. Look look what he says in verse verse 23. He says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Again, like, Paul's talking to both sides here. So for the wrongdoer, like, if you're in a position of authority, essentially, and you mistreat your employees or your suppliers, or you're dishonest to your clients, right, or just do shoddy work, right, or lazy, like, Paul's saying, you're going to get what's coming to you, right, and it's, it's not great, he's saying. But for those who work heartily for the Lord, you will receive a reward. 
And yes, Paul, Paul's talking about a future reward, like a one day somewhere off in the future that God's, God sees you, your faithfulness, all that you put up with, and he will make it up to you. Like you have back pay coming. But there's a reward even now. And I think sometimes we miss it. So uh, we're currently remodeling our kitchen. Um, that's the before picture. Uh, by currently, I mean this is all I did this weekend. That's all I did. And I, like, I'm getting too old to spend that much time doing manual labor. Uh, so this was uh, Friday. We've got a Friday shot. Yep, okay. Uh, this is what my current kitchen looks like right this moment, right now. This next picture. Yep, right there. And I, I'm just, like, I kind of hate my life. Because um, this is what's waiting for me when I get home, right? That's, that's it, right? And I, I mean, I'm not very good at this work. It, it frustrates me. I get so stressed out because I feel, I feel so incompetent in all of it. Like, I hate it, but I could, I could afford me. Um, and so, you know, here we are, right? <laughs> so what are, what are the re- rewards of doing this work? And I don't, I don't mean the obvious stuff, right? A new kitchen, okay, fine, whatever, right? I'm talking about the lessons that we learn from our work that you and I just can't learn anywhere else, right? I mean, th- think about that. Like, your work is part of your spiritual formation. Like, you are being shaped. Like, it's, it's where you spend the majority of your life, right? Majority of your waking hours for many of us. Like, and so you are being shaped in those spaces either become more like Jesus or less like Jesus. And the way you respond in certain situations, the things that you engage in, like all of that is part of of forming you. And so how am I being formed in this dumb project? Well, sadly, the first thing I thought of was I'm learning to cuss a little bit quieter um, because it's it's the kitchen. It's right in the center of the house. Like in this work, it just gets the best of me. Oh, I get so frustrated, but... I'm, I'm learning how to handle my stress, right? I'm learning to be a little bit more patient. I'm learning perseverance, like, you know, sanding drywall. I'm, I'm just, have you ever done that? Like, I'm just convinced, like, that's what hell is, right? It's just patching drywall, like, and Satan's just looking, nope, a little bit more. Like, I, I, I literally, I was standing there, I checked myself for dust this morning, like, before I came up uh, to preach, because it's just, it's, it's, it's horrible, but I'm learning, I'm learning perseverance, right? I'm learning how to, how to sacrifice me time or whatever, right? How to, how to serve my family, how to ask for help. I mean, I had to call Patrick twice on Friday, right? That's humiliating. Patrick, I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm learning humility, right? And I know we laugh, like, it's like, who cares? It's not, it's not that big of a deal. But the reality is, like, when you go to work, or the, the work that you do at home to care for your family, or when you go to school, like, there are lessons there for you. Like, you're going to learn forgiveness. I mean, I hope, Right? You're going to learn how to love those who are different from you, how to serve, how to, how to sacrifice and, and grow in humility. And all of these things are forming you. And there are things that you're going to learn tomorrow that you just can't learn anywhere else. So thank Jesus for it. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying roll over for exploitation, you know, or to stay in a lousy job if that describes your situation. But I have to remind myself that God's ultimate goal for me is not, to, not for me to be happy at work. His ultimate goal for me is to make me like Jesus. And if he wants to use the kitchen 
or any of the work in which we engage in to make us more like Jesus, let him. He is shaping us. There are inherent rewards even in the work that we do. So let me just ask, what will change tomorrow if you believe God wants to use your work to make you more like Jesus? He's forming you even there. If you want to take Jesus seriously, you have to take your work seriously. And finally, finally, we have to see that work is so much bigger than us. It's bigger than you. I mean, we're so self-centered, aren't we? Like, even when it comes to the subject of our work, we're just so focused on our, ourselves and what we, what we get out of it. And so, you know, think about the things we tend to hear about work. We well, got to work for the weekend or for retirement, or just make a ton of money. Or maybe, maybe like on the other side, uh, like the other extreme, like think about like what's the theme of like basically every commencement address right now? It's like, you know, follow your passion, do what you love, right? And I mean, that's great when it works out, but like, just step back for a second. Is that, is that really the best we can do as God's people? I mean, even just think about that, that, those statements. Do, find your passion. Do what you love. I mean, yes, it's great when it happens, but like, just step, step out for a second. You got to realize three things about that phrase. First of all, think about how incredibly uh, privileged that, that statement is. Like, to be able to say that you even have the freedom to be able to do it. Think about, like, the majority of people who have ever lived on planet Earth, the majority of people alive today, many people here now. Like, work is not about finding your passion. It's about putting food on the table, right? For the majority of humans ever. And to say it's, well, no, it's going to be about me. I mean, just, like, put yourself in a little bit of perspective there. Second of all, it's unrealistic. Not everybody can do what they love. Like, some jobs are just terrible. But they, they need doing Somebody's got to do those things for the good of humanity and the good of the people around you. Like, have some realistic expectations. I mean, I, I think about, like, how many lives have been ruined by the phrase, find your passion, and the guy who's, like, still living in his mom's basement playing video games trying to figure out a way to monetize that, right? I mean, that's, that's what we try to do. But then third, and most importantly, like, if that's your driving force behind your work, just step back for a sec. That is where you spend the majority of your life, and it is entirely selfish. It is completely self-centered, you need a bigger purpose in your work than just doing what you love. A bigger purpose than just finding your passion. If you make your work all about you, of course you're going to be miserable. I love instead the, the framing that Morton Hansen gives us here. He writes, he says there's actually a big difference between passion and purpose. Passion is do what you love, whereas purpose is do what contributes. Passion asks, what can the world give to you? A hedonistic inclination. Purpose asks, what can you give to the world? An other orientation. And this, this is what Paul is getting at. And if you can do what you love and find your, like if you could combine the, all the better, right? Just put it, in, put it in a little perspective. Look what Paul says again in verse 23. Let me read it again. He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary. <laughs> like in your work, you can serve Jesus every bit as much as I can. Do you, do you know that? Either way, he's our boss. Like you don't, you don't have to be a pastor or missionary to, to have that count for you, right? There, the, the dignity that we have in our work isn't from the work itself, or from the applause that we receive, the dignity we get comes from our maker. 
And nobody can take that away from you. I mean, look, look at it this way. There, there are really only two commands in the Bible, right? I mean, two main commands, right? There's lots of other ones, I know. But love God and love others, right? That's what Jesus says. Love God and love others. And where, where do you spend the majority of your waking hours? Working, doing something, right? Which makes it the primary place that you and I get to love our neighbors. And I'm not just talking about being nice to your coworkers. I mean, be nice, right? It's not a bad lesson. But do good work. Like, love your neighbors through the work that you do. I mean, Dorothy Sayers, she's brilliant here. She basically says that if a, if a carpenter becomes a Christian, uh, what we tend to tell that carpenter is be a good person and go to church. Like, if that, as if that's all Jesus has to say, right? Uh, and she, she writes, what the church should be telling him is this. The very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. That's how he loves his neighbor. Besides, Jesus was a carpenter, wasn't he? But again, what, what difference does it make, though? Maybe think of it this way. What if, what if no one did your job? Again, whatever it is, paid or unpaid, like nobody in the world did what you do. What would be missing? What would we as humans be missing? Or, or what, if, what if your industry like no longer existed? What would we lack? Let's, let's take Mitch Holtis as an example. Uh, Radio voice of the Chiefs. Uh, he's a part of the Christ community family. He's one of our elders, so he's uh, my boss, I guess, one of my bosses. Um, and Mitch, he's a dear friend. He's one of the kindest people I know, truly. Uh, it's fun to listen to him on the radio because he's like so intense, but he's like also like he's the warmest, most gentle person I, I think I've met just about. But he announces football, right? What difference does his job make? Well, the NFL Network made a brilliant little video. Uh, it's about a company in Kansas City that hires the visually impaired which is super cool, right, that they do that, and how Mitch helps make the blind see. Let's watch. I can see light, and I can see vague shadows, but other than that, I can't see you. I can't see anything on TV at all. Thank you for calling Missouri Epay. My name is Cameron. How can I help you? So for all intents and purposes, I'm completely blind. Thank you so much. It's always been that way. I was born blind. I guess I don't really think about what I see. It's more along the lines of what I hear. Good afternoon, Alpha Point. It's great to be back. It's fantastic how we see the heroes that live in the Chiefs Kingdom and for them to be honored. And that's why we're here, because this week, on Sunday night, to throw out the first pass with one of your own, Cameron Black. The reason that we moved to Kansas City was that we found out that we were tremendously blessed and my wife had become pregnant. A is for Arrowhead. That's where we play. We were both incredibly excited, but I was petrified because I knew that I needed to work. He's always wanted to take care of his family, and um, he knew that if we moved to Kansas City, there would be work opportunities. I was aware of Alpha Point, and I was aware that they were one of the largest employers of visually impaired people in the country. 
country. So we took that gamble that Alpha Point would give me a job. My name is Cameron. How can I help you? There weren't a lot of options otherwise for us as a family. Moving to Kansas City, I wanted to fit in a little bit. And I knew that the common spoken language around here was going to be Chiefs football. And I wanted to learn how to speak that language.
All right, look at that. I love that, I love that, but maybe, so it's a beautiful picture, right, of the way ordinary work touches lives. But maybe you see that and you're thinking, well, yeah, but of course, like he's an announcer and he's got all this prestige and right, but what, what difference does my job make, maybe you're thinking. I, I, I get that, and so, like, let me, let me pick on Garmin. See, uh, we got a lot of Garmin employees here, so I'm looking around here finding you. There's a lot, especially engineers. I don't know. It seems a little bit disjointed, but we have a lot of Garmin employees here, uh, especially engineers. But let me just pick on you for a second. So if you're, if you're an engineer, for example, like you take the stuff God made and give it a new purpose. If you're in sales, you take products, again, at Garmin, if you do this, you take products that better people's lives and get them into homes affordably. If you're in HR, you help provide uh, an institution where people can work with flourishing and with dignity. If you're an executive, you help create jobs for literally thousands of people. If you work in, um, you know, you answer the phones or you uh, clean the toilets or, or you're in shipping or manufacturing there, you are part of an institution that makes my life better. I mean, I get lost less because of Garmin. I'm healthier because of Garmin. I feel safer when I ride my bike because of Garmin, or when I go on a hike, the things that I am able to do so I don't get lost, like all of that because of Garmin. In fact, this, this summer we were uh, on a little tiny plane in Alaska. Um, one of many dumb things we did um, this summer while I was on sabbatical, but little tiny plane. It's, I mean, so small, like David was in the co-pilot chair, okay? Uh, and I'm able to look out, see all the, all the devices, and I'm able to look out, and like all you can see is fog, nothing but fog. And I, truthfully, like, I'm, I'm freaking out just a tiny bit. In fact, I started whispering to Kelly, like, you know, if we go down, like, this is how it's going to go um, kind of thing. And then, and then I'm, not, I'm not making this up. And then I saw on the navigational device, Garmin. And I literally sighed with relief. And I thought, I know those people, right? I like them. They care about me. And let me just say, like, if you work at Garmin, no matter what department, like, you loved my family that day. And you love this really well, and you love people all over the world all the time. And no, this, this sermon is not brought to you by Garmin, okay? Uh, I'm not getting a kickback from Garmin, uh, I don't think. Uh, well, we'll talk about that later. I don't think so. Um, but what I, I just, I want to be concrete with this because I think for many of us, it's easy to say work matters, theoretically. But what we have to be able to say is my work matters, and so whatever, whatever it is you do, like do the same things that I just did for Garmin. Think through your institution, your vocation, your work. What is it that you're doing? How does it help you love your neighbor? I mean, if you stay at home, you're raising the next generation. If you're, if you're a student, you're learning how to flourish and be fruitful. If you're retired, you can mentor others. If you build homes, you satisfy one of our most basic needs. If you're in the service industry, you make life more pleasant. I, I heard it recently summed up like this. Instead of do what you love, Love the people you do it for. You don't have to do what you love. You do have to love the people that you're doing it for. And I don't just mean like the institution. I mean the people that you get to serve through whatever it is you do. I mean, when I take my car to the shop, for example, what, what, do, you, what do I want, right? Do I want my mechanic to give me a hug, sit down and pray with me, bring me soup when I'm sick? Like, no! I want my car to work when it's done, and I want to be treated with dignity while I'm there. Like, that's love to me. 
That's that person fulfilling this command of loving their neighbor. And so what will, what will change for you tomorrow if you actually believe your work, whatever it is, is ultimately for Jesus? If you could begin to see the ways in which your work truly loves your neighbor. If you want to take Jesus seriously, you've got to take your work seriously. And I want to end this series right where we started. If you remember in the first week of this eight weeks together, uh, we said, like, what if, what if the church was known less for our Sundays? I think Sundays matter. What we do here, I mean, we had a whole message on that, right? It's really important. What, this, what we do here matters. But what if we were known less for our Sundays and more for our Mondays? More for the ways that we worked, more for the ways we served our community and our neighbors. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of the church. Yes, the church needs to gather, but this, the scattered part we so often forget, like that's our real work together. Everywhere outside these walls where you interact with others, where you get to serve and care for people, like that is the work of the church. And if we took that seriously, if we were known more for our Mondays than our Sundays, just imagine what God would do. And so I, I want to uh, do a little exercise here at the end. Uh, we, often, we often do what we call ministry spotlight interviews. If you've been here any length of time, you've seen them, right? We uh, bring somebody up and we talk through like, tell stories of how God is using ordinary people uh, to do ordinary things, but to serve him in those things, right? Uh, if you're in a community group, actually, our, most of our groups are going to be doing these within the group's setting, so you'll have an opportunity to participate in, in one of these interviews uh, in your groups. But I want this morning for us to interview ourselves, to, to think through a handful of questions together. We're going to take a minute or so. We'll put the questions up here on the screen in a moment. Um, and think through, like, as, as you think about what you're going to be doing this time tomorrow, 9.49 on Monday, uh, wrestle with these three questions. Where have I experienced or seen brokenness in my work? How is God forming me in my work personally? What is he doing in me? What lessons do I need to learn there? And then third, what are the ways my work loves my neighbor and serves my Savior? Why don't we take a minute, let's quiet ourselves down, I'll pray at the end of this, but let's think through those questions together and bring them to God. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for the ways we've made our work about us or contributed to the brokenness around us. Would you use our work to shape us? Help us look more like Jesus, even if it hurts. Please do that. And give us glimpses of how our work serves you and loves others. Give us an imagination for the impact each of us can have in whatever roles we face. And now, Lord Jesus, as we come to your table, may we find our joy and hope and motivation in you, our great master. For your glory, we pray.
Amen.